welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. How is it that you do not understand? I'd be preaching to me too. Verse 22, and he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Amen. Say they wanted him to touch him. Verse 23, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, help Jesus. I was with the holding hand thing, and I'm not even a hand holder with another man. Amen. When we start spitting in his eyes, we got another thing. You see, it lets us know how desperate are we for the miracle. I won't want you to spit in my eyes, but, it, but if I were blind, I might say drink a glass of water first, make sure it gets wet. And put his hands upon him. He asked him if he, if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And he put his hands upon his eyes. And made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Amen. I want, I want to preach to you today from this thought. Three times touched. Three times touched. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Lord, your word is anointed. Your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder even the soul and the spirit. Lord, I pray right now that your word would go forth and bring life. That your word would go forth, oh God, and bring instruction and encouragement and direction. Lord, I pray that you would touch me to speak as the oracle of heaven. I pray you would anoint every ear to hear, every mind to understand, every heart to receive, and every spirit to bear witness of your word. I pray, Lord, that your word is not only heard, but, Lord, it is received with joy and gladness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Would you just give the Lord thanksgiving again before you're seated? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can, you can be seated. Amen. Years ago, if a person was unfortunate enough to, to have cataracts grow in their eyes, they were doomed to a lifetime of blindness. I, I remember a few, the year after my mother passed, a few years ago, that um, my, my father had been my mother's sole care giver and uh, you know how that goes the sole caregiver's health takes second place to the one who is in the greatest of need and uh, my father uh, for seven years he sold the business he did you know just stayed at my mother's side and uh, they did dialysis at home he'd take her to dialysis and, and all the health problems she had 
And uh, we, we, it was very obvious that he was having health problems himself, <clears throat> though he would really never talk about it or admit it because it was really, the attention was on my mother. But after, after she passed, um, we kind of began to turn our attention to his health and knew that he needed some care. And one of the first things um, I did was I took him in to get his eyes checked. He hadn't had them checked in over eight or nine, maybe even 10 years. And uh, I could tell that he was having sight issues because, um, you know, he was always a, a pretty good driver, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking, meaning he drove better than my other relatives, <clears throat> including me. <laughs> and... Um, I, I began to notice he wasn't seeing things that I was seeing. And, and then one night, he ended up in a ditch and asked him, why did you end up in a ditch? And he said, well, I just, I, I, didn't see, I didn't see the turn. And he didn't see the turn because he couldn't see the turn. And I took him in to get his eyes checked and uh, to, to get new glasses. To, maybe, that's, maybe that's what it was. And his glasses were already pretty thick, and uh, he just didn't wear them most of the time. And, and the doctor came out and told me, was, it's not a vision correction that he needs. He has cataracts, and he needs his cataracts removed. And so we were able to get his cataracts removed, and he had a new lease on life, and we ain't really been able to stop him since. Amen. Sometimes I wish we'd have left them in. Um, but before cataract surgery, you, you were doomed to a life of, of blindness or, or a, at best, a dimness that you couldn't see clearly. But fortunately, today we have cataract surgery. It's very common. It's readily available and uh, frequently performed to prevent blindness. Eye implants are even becoming greater and greater in number to help those with vision problems see again. I'm fascinated by the transplants that take place from donor eyes to people who can uh, uh, have someone else's eye attached into their orbital socket and to be able to have vision. It is fascinating to me. Uh, the body is fearfully and wonderfully made of God. And uh, uh, seeing these things that we are able, through the advancements of science, to be able to, to help the issue of blindness. Amen. But even though I know that there is advancements in science, and I'm thankful for the medical advancements that we have, and let me just stop and say this, all of that is by the grace of God. I don't believe they could perform one successful surgery except by the grace of Almighty God. Amen. And I'm thankful for that, but I, I also want to say we should never forget the healing power of Jesus Christ. And because he is just as able to heal a blind eye today as he was 2,000 years ago. I've seen God open blinded eyes. I've seen deaf ears unstopped. I still believe he can do it today with or without the assistance of the medical community. Amen. 
Praise God. I, I love being in these nations where um, they don't have the opportunity. Cataract surgery is not even an option, even for some of the wealthiest among them. And they totally put their trust and their reliance in Jesus Christ. I, I, I love to see the overwhelming, simplistic faith that if you say it, they're going to believe. If you say God said it, they're going to believe it. I often tell preachers that, that I'm privileged to take with me on some of these missions trips, and I tell them don't preach anything you do not believe because if you say it and the Bible says it you better be willing to back it up if you say God can open blinded eyes I promise you somebody that's blind is going to be brought to the altar and you better have enough faith that they're going to have their blind eyes open because they're believing amen Amen. And so he, he's as able to heal today blinded eyes as he was 2,000 years ago. In fact, according to Scripture, uh, one of the credentials of the Messiah would be that he would, in fact, be able to heal blindness and restore sight to eyes that had went black and dim. Isaiah 42, and one through seven declares through the prophet, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him he shall bring forth judgment to, gen to the Gentiles he shall he shall not cry nor lift up for cause his nor cause his voice to be heard in the street a bruised reed shall he not break and a smoking flax shall he not quench he shall bring forth judgment unto truth he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law thus saith the Lord God he that creates the heavens and stretches them out. He that spreadeth forth the earth and that cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people on it and spirit to them that walk therein. I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and will give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blinded eyes to bring out the prisoners from prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. This was a prerequisite to a sign of Messiah. He would be able to open the blinded eyes. Jesus being that Messiah, the promised one, was bringing to fulfillment the prophecy of Isaiah over 800 years earlier. As he brought healing to the blind and he opened their eyes. As a matter of fact, Jesus would arrive into the temple and the very first sermon he preached would be from the prophet Isaiah and he would say, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to open the eyes of the blind. I'm so glad that he doesn't leave me in darkness. I'm so glad he doesn't leave me blind, but that he opens the spiritual as well as the physical eyes. Amen. It was even John the Baptist, John the Baptist, who at the time of his uh, martyrdom uh, says uh, to the disciples of his, and he looks at them upon this thing and says, I want you to go ask, is he the Messiah or do we believe on another? Can you imagine the dilemma that John the Baptist is in? He is about to lose his life. His faith is shaking. And I know we don't want to admit that, but his faith is shaking in the midst of a prison house, knowing that his head is about to be severed off of his shoulders. And he says to his disciples, go ask him, is he really the one or do I need to seek after another? Another. The response of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 and verses 4 
through 5, Jesus says to those disciples, you go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Why did he say that? Because John the Baptist knew that a prerequisite to the Messiah would be that blinded eyes must be open. And that's why he said, you go tell John that you've seen blind eyes open. You go tell John that what Isaiah prophesied almost a thousand years ago is coming to pass. And yes, I am he. I am the one. I am the Messiah. The New Testament records at least seven incidents of the healing of the blind by Jesus. And and, and, and as a matter of fact, uh, the gospel, the the epistles declare that that if every work of Jesus had been recorded, there there, there wouldn't be enough volumes in the earth to contain it. There's an old song that says that though the heavens were of parchment made and the the oceans were of ink, there still wouldn't be enough paper and pen and ink to talk about the love and the goodness of God. But the Bibles do tell us in the Gospels seven incidents of Jesus healing the blind. It's interesting to watch the actions of Jesus when he heals the blind because he being God incarnate knows that this is going to be not only what the poor are looking for, but also the rabbis and the teachers and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the religious order of that time. One of the mark of demarcations of Messiah is not going to be his ability to speak well. It's not going to be his ability to rally the troops, per se, or to lead a revolution. But, but one of the things he must do is he must open the eyes of the blind. Matthew chapter 9 and verses 27 through 30, two blind men are healed when Jesus touches their eyes. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22, a blind and deaf man is healed. Mark 10 and 52 records of blind Bartimaeus is healed when Jesus but speaks the word of healing. John 9 and 6, Jesus uses saliva and mud to heal the eyes of a blind man. And here in our text today, this man is touched by God three times. Now, I have preached before um, on the power of the second touch. Many times have preached on being twice touched by Jesus. But I, 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 and, and I've talked about how that Jesus touched him and his eyes were healed and then the second touch uh, didn't just heal his eyes, but the second touch healed his mind. Because he could see the first time. He just couldn't see clearly. The first time he touched him, he said, what do you see? He said, I I see men as trees. Well, that's not any kind of condition Jesus wants to leave you in. And I submit to you this this afternoon that it was was an emotional and a mental healing that that blind man saw when he saw men as trees. He didn't know what trees were because he had been born blind. He only knew trees as obstacles. I know trees as shade. He knew them as pain. Difference between sitting under a tree and getting cool and walking into a tree and getting leveled. When he said, I saw men as trees, he was saying, I see men as things that have hurt me. 
I see men as things that have abused me. I see men as things that have gotten in my way and have brought pain to my life. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You need another time. I need to heal your mind and your heart now. What I want to show you today is that there are actually three physical touches that were applied by Jesus. Now, we will focus not only on the healing of this man's sight, but also I want to focus on those three important touches of Jesus. The first touch, I'm going to go ahead and give them to you, and then I'm going to preach about them. The first touch is found in verse 23 where Jesus took him by the hand. That was the first touch. Jesus took him by the hand. I want to preach to that as the touch of encouragement. In that same verse, we see where Jesus puts his hands on him, and that's the touch of enlightenment. And then the third touch that day was when Jesus put his hands on the blind man's eyes, and this is the touch of enablement. Using this record in the Gospels, I want to, with the help of the Lord, show you today how this story in the Gospels can help and be applied in every one of our lives this afternoon. Now let me preach about the touch of encouragement. The scripture tells us that they, perhaps the they is not identified. It could have been friends. It could have been family. Brought him to Jesus. It, it is the concept, if you would, of being a stretcher bearer. These people had enough faith and action that they knew if they can get this blind man to Jesus, that he had a possibility of being healed. It's important who you surround yourself with. It's important who you surround yourself with. This story would have went a whole lot different if on that day his friends wanted to play softball, which would have been a cruel joke. He couldn't have seen it. It would, have been, it would have been a different story if his friends were caught up in other things in life and had left him there. But he had some friends in his life or some family in his life that said, we have tried everything else. We have bought every snake oil. We have bought every bit of salve, every bit of ointment. We have tried the magicians. We have tried the prayers. We have tried the seances. We have tried everything we know to try. But I've heard about this man named Jesus. And, and I've heard that he He's already open blinded eyes. Why don't we get him? See, you need those kind of friends in your life. That when all hell breaks loose in your life, they're not saying, let's go to the bar. They're not saying, let's go party. Let's go to the club. Let's go have a good time. Oh, you're having a bad time in your marriage? Go have a fling on your wife or your husband. No, you need some friends that say, no, no, we need to get to Jesus. We need to get to, we need to, get to the house. We need to find an altar. We need to pray. Amen. You need some stretcher bearers in your life that are willing to put up with your deficiencies just to get you to Jesus. I don't need perfect people to walk with me. I need people that have belief in Jesus to walk with me. If I fall, I don't need friends that step on me and call me a dummy. I want some stretcher bearers that lift me up. And they take the word of God and they clean out my wounds and they bind them up. 
and they say, let's get to Jesus because he can heal and he can fix and he can make this thing better in your life. Be careful whom you surround yourself with. Make sure that the people closest to you in your life are people that believe in the power of prayer and that believe in the things of God and that believe the truth of God's word. You need to make sure you're hooked up with the right people because, honey, today it's not if, it's when you fall. That's what the Bible said. Rejoice not against me, oh, my name, for when I fall, not if I fall. All of us are going to have a bad day. All of us are going to have days where we could have been better. And what we don't need is people pointing and saying you should have been better. What we need is stretcher bearers that say, let me get you to the house of God. Let me get you to a place of prayer. Let me lift you up before the throne of grace. The scripture said they, they begged Jesus to touch this man. They begged Jesus. I read that in your text. They begged Jesus to touch this man. I'm, I'm going to say that again. They begged Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't have pride and beg. You know, the, I, I remember we'd be riding in the back of the truck or something. My dad be up there eating some candy or something. I'd say, hey, we want a candy. He never picks it. Which one is your favorite? Right? If they share. Dads are notorious for not sharing their candy. And if he, if he just reach in there and hand it out, and, and inevitably you get the one you don't want. You know what I'm talking about? You go, I don't like, you got the red one? And he'd always respond with, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> what he was saying was, listen here. You didn't have nothing before I graciously gave you something. Take it or leave it. <laughs> they say, tough tacos. And that don't mean nothing until you actually ate a tough taco before, and it's not a very pleasant experience. Beggars can't be, you, you can't have pride and be a beggar. They had already realized, see, see, they abased themselves. They humbled themselves to be able to beg the Bible. The Bible used the word beg, not me. Now, that, that, that implies to me that Jesus really didn't give them any mind the first time they asked. Or the scripture would have said, they asked of Jesus. and Je The Bible said they, were, they begged of him. How many, how many ever had to beg for something before? It's, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, begging your sibling not to give you a noogie. Yeah, you know, he'd twist my arm back. You got to beg, beg. Ah! Like your life depends. You hear your bones just ripping right out of the socket. Beg. Please, please, no. They were begging. You need to have some people around you that, that have enough humility in their life to be able to go to prayer with you and bring you before the throne of the Lord. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I don't always need a friend that's got the answer. A lot of times I just need a friend that knows the, who has the answer. And I want to say that to you. You don't always have to have the answer for every problem somebody in your life is going through as long as you're willing to go before the throne of grace with them and say, God, I can't fix it. I can't solve it. I can't work it out, but I know you can. And I'm bringing my family. I'm bringing my friend before you, and I'm asking you to move, intervene, and heal in this situation. 
You see, they had a strong desire to see this man healed and they took him to the only one they knew that could provide the healing. I wonder today, do we believe as those who brought this man to Jesus believed? Because they believed. Never said anything about the faith of the blind man, only the faith of those who brought him to Jesus. I want to just, I want to say life for a minute. Just let that marinate. It didn't say anything about the blind man's faith. It said the, they begged him. It's like the four men who brought the paralyzed man to Jesus and they tore the roof off the building. Never heard anything about the sick man's faith. Only the four that were willing to rip the roof off. Do we believe Jesus can still heal? Do we believe he can still change, restore lives? And, and do we believe he can not just do that for us, but he can do that for our family and our friends? If we do, then let me submit to you this afternoon, if we believe that God can do that, not just for us, but our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, then it would, it would behoove us to then reach out to them and let them know that there is somebody that can fix the situation in your life. Let me bring you to Jesus. Let me bring you to the one who can solve that marital issue, who can fix that ailment in your body or that addiction in your soul. I want you to know that Jesus is more than just a religious figure. He is more than a man of history, but he is alive and well, and he is able to do it for you today. The Bible says that after the request of them to touch the blind man was given by those that brought him, that Jesus touched this man with the touch of encouragement. He took him by the hand and led him outside the town. That's the touch of encouragement. I, I, I'd never really paid a lot of attention to that before. But it's something encouraging when somebody takes you by the hand and, 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 and walks with you in a dark place. This man was in the darkest of darkest places. His whole world was black as night. But when Jesus took him by the hand, he led him out of the city. Holding on. You know what that says? That's encouragement. I got you. You, you. you got enough faith in me to close your eyes and let me walk you? Okay, close your eyes. See, that's encouragement. We're, we're going to make it, Brother Vincent. Don't try to step backwards. You don't know where I'm going. Brother Vincent, just keep your eyes closed tight. I know you don't know where I'm going. I know you don't know the way, and you don't even know what's around you, but I want you to, I want you to know something. As long, as long as you hold on to my hand and you'll follow me, I'm going to get you there eventually. I, I know you're probably wondering, where am I going? What's all this for? I shouldn't have sat on the front row. All this kind of, but I want you to know I'm here for you, and I, I got your hand. And Brother Vinny, if you'll just, and, and when it seems unclear, I want you to know, don't, don't worry. I've, got, I've been this way before. I know this route, so you can trust in me, and, and just listen to whatever I say. You just keep coming. Step up, step up, step up. Don't look. Step up. Pick your foot up. Step up. Step a stand. There you go. Step up. Now keep walking. Just keep going. If you'll just trust me, if you'll listen to my voice, I want you to know everything's going to be okay. 
okay. You got a hold of my hand. I'm not going to let you go. I know I, you've been this way a bunch, but you ain't ever been here with your eyes closed. Step down. Be careful. Step down. I'm here for you. Okay, we're going to keep going. Just keep listening to me. Keep holding my hand. We're going to be all right. And now open up your eyes. Look, you're safe. You made it in one piece. I want you to know that God's hand of encouragement in your life. You don't have to see him as long as he's got me by the hand. The old song said, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain is too high. The valley is too wide. I can't go anywhere without. I want you to know Jesus wants you to be encouraged. He's got his hand in your life. Have you ever wondered... Why it was that Jesus, who usually healed people on the spot, as a matter of fact, I didn't have time to really dig into it, but I think this is one of, if not the only miracles where Jesus didn't heal somebody on the spot. Now, I could be wrong. Like I said, I didn't thoroughly search that part out, but this could be one of, if not the only times that Jesus did not heal somebody right then, right there. But the Bible said... He led him out of the town of Bethsaida. He healed by him Bartimaeus where he was. Jairus' daughter where she laid. Lazarus when he was stinking in a tomb. But not this blind man. The Bible said he led him out of the city of Bethsaida. Perhaps we can find the answer to that question in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto the Chosaran. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You see, the city of Bethsaida become a calloused and unrepentant. They didn't really think they needed God. They really didn't think they needed mercy or repentance or the touch of God or the works of God in their life. Amen. That The sad reality is that there are those today that are like the citizens of Chosran and Bethsaida. There are many that are in and out of the church which have hearts that are calloused and unrepented. And I want you to know God can't work in an unrepented heart. God can't work in a life that doesn't need him, doesn't want him. Perhaps that is why many of our altars are empty today and while churches are, are emptying out today as they're not seeing the miracles that they desire, it's because there's not a broken and a contrite spirit within the people of God. We have no need of him. After all, we've got the best health care. we got the best medicine. we got the best stock markets. we got the best banks. we got the best physicians. we got the best psychologists. we got the best social programs. we got the best homes, the best cars, the best of everything. But I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. I need Jesus more than I need Kaiser. I need Jesus more than I need a Chevy. I need Jesus more than I need Chase Manhattan Bank. I need Jesus more than a 401k. I need him. When Jesus grabbed him by the hand and secured the frail hand of that blind man and walked him to the edge of the city, I believe it was a touch that was full of love and mercy and a touch of encouragement that says everything's going to be all right. I just can't do it around the ungrateful. 
Listen to me. Our church, our town, our families, our friends, and even strangers all need a touch from Jesus. They need a touch from Jesus. And they need a personal touch from Jesus. And Jesus shows us how. He showed interest in the man. I said he showed interest in the man by giving him encouragement. By bringing this blind man to Jesus. Those who brought him were showing an interest in his well-being. And Jesus taking him by the hand was showing that man that he cared about his situation. And just like the man in our text this afternoon, I'm confident that if we'll care enough to bring people into the presence of Almighty God, that Jesus is going to touch them and if Jesus will touch them Jesus will lead them and if Jesus will lead them Jesus will encourage them I know this may sound very elementary and you may already know this but this world wants them to know we care about them I I know that's a shocking statement but they want us to know we care You know the old adage, I use it all the time, they don't care how much we know till they know how much we care. I don't care if you can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, John to Malachi, the table of contents to the maps in the back. If we don't know how to love people, they won't care about our knowledge. They want to know that God loves them. Say, but pastor, what about the sin in their life? Jesus loved sin right out of people. Here's a shocker. Most people know they're lost. They want to know God loves them. They're they're looking for God's love and they're looking through it through you and through me. And I said it last Sunday. We can love the sinner without accepting their sin. I, I want to say clear. We, we don't let the world, don't let sin, don't let society, don't let, don't let all of these social new social norms try to back us in a corner that if we don't accept everything about them, then we don't love them. No, I can love them but not accept anything unpleasing in the sight of God. There is a way to do it. Jesus did it. When they brought a naked prostitute caught in the act of adultery into the middle of church, Jesus forgave her. He said, go and sin no more. Jesus took time to touch. I think we ought to take time to touch. The touch of Jesus was a patient touch. There was no hurry up in his touch. In his touch, there was hope. In his touch, there was love. In his touch, there was relationship. In his touch, there was care. In his touch, it was effectual. In his touch, they knew it. It wasn't like any other touch. They had been touched by the hand of God. I'm thankful for a God who's patient with me. I'm I'm thankful for a God who's not a hurry-up God. but he was patient with me and he brought encouragement to me just like he brought to this man. No doubt we've got to learn to do the same. I hope people find in me, amen, uh, not, not merely should I say a pastor that preaches and teaches truth and the word of God as it is written, amen, but I hope people would be able to say that, that, that he was patient and, and that, that he loved, amen. If, if uh, God forbid, I were to leave this world in the next five minutes, hopefully you would be able to say he, he loved people and he was patient and, and there, he was an encourager, amen. I, I want 
that to be the I want that to be the epithet of all of us that we love people and we encourage people and we help them to walk along this pilgrim road on the way to heaven with patience and the kindness of God Almighty in their life for the only Jesus that most people are going to see is the Jesus that they see in you and me and I want to portray a God of love and a God of kindness amen a God that is encouraging amen I believe Jesus took that man by the hand and the man knew that his touch was one of power one powerful enough to heal in Jesus. Jesus' touch was so powerful in that, amen, it was, it was a relieving touch. Amen, as Jesus seemed to say, allow me, as he grabbed his hand. That touch was a sensitive touch. When Jesus would touch this man and hold his hand in a very personal way, I wonder this afternoon, will we let Jesus encourage us in this house today? Will we allow the touch of God to relieve us of the anxiety and the fear and the stress and the worry and the torment of our soul and of our mind. Are we going to allow the touch of Jesus to encourage and strengthen us here today? Are we going to allow Jesus to reach out and take us by the hand and walk with him by faith? Because I want you to be assured this afternoon, there's a touch of encouragement here for you today. The second touch was the touch of enlightenment. Everybody say the touch of enlightenment. Not only his touch of encouragement, but Jesus had the touch, which was also the touch of enlightenment. It's interesting that Jesus spit on the man's eyes and then placed both his hands on them. He spit first, touched second. I want to be clear. Jesus did not need to spit on that man to heal him. But that man needed Jesus to spit on him. Well, I like the way we, how we try to dance around all this. Like, I don't know that it was really spit. You know, Jesus wouldn't have done anything like that. You know, he called the Syrophoenician woman a dog. You know, if you look it up in the Greek, he said dog. I've seen people dance around that like they were at a nightclub. Well, he did, well, in the Greek, if you take the G and you flip it to an upside down U and you spin it around, but if you take this, Plato said this, and, and, and you know, and maybe, it didn't, maybe it just meant a soft, cuddly, curly-haired puppy. I was reading a commentary on the woman with the issue of blood not too long ago. And let me just tell you something. I'm all for commentaries, but when they could contradict exactly what the Word of God said, turn the page. I thought to myself, is this all there is to write in commentaries? I'm going to write one. It's going to be really short. It's going to say, did it? <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. Did it just like that. Send me 99.95. Amen. <laughs> Four-page commentary of the whole Bible. He did it just like that. Amen. And it said, the woman with the issue of blood. And it said, now in the time of Jesus, they were not familiar with female issues such as endometriosis. I'm sure they weren't. But you can't tell me Jesus didn't know. 
And I thought, I don't care if she had flying pigs shooting out of her ear. Jesus healed her just like the Bible said. I was reading a commentary about the, 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 the woman who brought her daughter that needed to be healed. And they said, well, back then, autism wasn't a diagnosis. Well, thank God, because they'd have been cramming pills in that baby's mouth instead of bringing it to Jesus. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching the truth now. Now, I don't care if it had autism, bursitis, arthritis. I don't care what it was. If Jesus healed it, baby, it was healed. It doesn't matter what it was. So Jesus didn't need his spit to heal the man, but the man needed Jesus' spit to be healed. I got some of y'all holding up on that. Where are you going with this? The Bible? That man needed to feel that something was being done. James chapter 5, or James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 said, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? That's King James. Let me clean it up and put it in some 2023 little southern vernacular. If somebody comes up to your house and says, I'm hungry and I ain't got no britches to put on my family, don't just say, well, bless you, go in peace, I'll be praying for you. For what did that do if you who had the ability to put clothes on their back and food in their stomach didn't do it? This man needed to be physically touched to be healed from his physical blindness, but he also needed that physical touch for a spiritual healing. The reality is that most that our infirmities do have a tendency to harden us. Let, let me say that again. Our, our infirmities do have a tendency to harden us. I've learned it does one of two things in people. Either their chronic infirmities in their life will make them sensitive and compassionate to, the, to other people. Or it will harden them to say, well, nobody hurts like I hurt. And what Jesus was doing is he was healing this man from the inside out. The second touch is Jesus asked if he could see the, uh, the enlightened man, amen, to a world of vision. He was, he was touching him. He, he wanted him to see. He wanted him to open his eyes and the darkness not be covering his retina anymore. He wanted him to see. But the man opened his eyes and he saw men as trees walking around. The man could see, but his mind could not comprehend what his eyes were seeing. He could not see with clarity. We are too much like this blind man so many times in our lives. We see things, but we do not always comprehend what it is that we are seeing far too many times. We speak when we should listen. We talk when we should watch. Helen Keller once said, it is a terrible thing not to be able to see, but it is a more terrible thing to be able to see but not have vision. I wonder today, do we have enlightenment to a vision? 
When we come to Jesus to be touched, do we begin to see men as obstacles or as issues? Or do we begin to see with more clarity than ever before? And I want you to know that Jesus is the touch of enlightenment in your life. I'm telling some of you right now, the issue is not really the issue. The issue is that you really need Jesus to touch you again. The issue is not that person in your life. The issue is not the society that you're in, but the issue issue is we need the touch of encouragement and we need the touch of enlightenment from God to reach down and touch us again today. I want to be enlightened. Somebody say, I want to be enlightened. The third touch, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. I'm hot too, don't worry. First touch is the touch of enlightenment or the touch of encouragement then there's the touch of enlightenment and the third touch is the touch of enablement not only will his touch encourage and enlighten us but his touch will also enable us I want to focus in on that for a few minutes today because while you may be encouraged and some of you may be enlightened I want you to feel enabled before you leave here today seeing men as trees is never good enough I went in for my eye exam this week, and uh, best news I got out of it, he goes, well, you don't need bifocals yet. <laughs> Thank you. Sunshine. Yet. He said, but you might ought to look into a pair of reading glasses. I said, nope. Um, not there yet. Do I really have to pay this? Good enough is not always good enough. When he put that big old box on my head and said, can you see? Well, he already knew the answer to the question. I could see about as clear as I'm looking at you right now, and you are about as clear as muddy water. And he said, how about now? How about now? How about now? You know, they flip that thing back and forth. And they end up going to right where you are. Why don't they just start where you left off? Why do we got to count from zero all the time? I'm at 42. Pick me up at 42. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we're paying them by the hour in there. Pick, 42. I got two astigmatisms. Let's go with that. This, 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 this. Now, how foolish would I be to go, you know, that's good enough. Really? That's good enough. Well, can you see clearly? Nope. But I don't think I'll be hitting any 18-wheelers. Good enough. How long will we live with good enough spiritually? How long will we live with good enough spiritually? I, I, I see men as trees. I'm, I'm clumsily looking at the obstacles of life. I can't clearly define what is in front of me, what is behind me, and what is beside me, but it's just good enough. I'm tired of people living for God with a good enough mentality. I'm, I'm good enough to go to church. I'm good enough to sing. I'm good enough to shout. Good enough to usher. Good enough to do it. Good enough, good enough, good enough. How about letting Jesus touch you the third time? How about him letting, how about you getting clarity and enlightenment? How about him touching you and you being able to see clear with definition and be able to see what's in front of you with clarity 
Because if I know anything about my God, he is, he's not a good enough God. He's not a good enough God. I said he's not a good enough God. He's not good. So you feel, you feel good enough? No. He wants total, complete victory in your life. Jesus touches the man the third time. He was three times touched to bring about being enabled. Because the first time he was touched, he couldn't see clearly. But on the third touch, he was enabled to see his family clearly, to see his friends clearly, to see his home clearly to see his job clearly, to see his finances clearly, to see society clearly. I don't want to leave here with a good enough touch that leaves blind spots in my life. I want him to touch me for the third time that I can see with clarity. I want to see not only the world, I want to see how to reach the lost. I want to see how to reach the lost and love the lost and bring them in. Because when he was able, enabled to see, everybody say enabled. Because when he was enabled to see clearly, then he was enabled to walk. Say, oh, well, blind people can walk. Well, come on up here. Let me tie this tie around your eyes and tell you to run. You ever, you ever walked into a dark room? That's me every time I get home from a overseas trip get up in the middle of my wife rearranges furniture all the time you never just get up and walk in the dark you never know that was a hall last night when I left I got back there might be a piano in that hall I think that's a bathroom there could be bunk beds in there for all I know you know what I'm talking about right how I many of y'all, I, 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 I've been unfortunate enough to be in this position a lot more than I'd like to admit. How many of you ever woke up and not know where you were? I, I've, I've been in a hotel so much I wake up and I'm like, okay, where am I? It feels like, hold on. Manila. I, I've woke up in my own bed. After a long trip, and, and when I, the way I sleep, I get off, to get off the bed, I get off the right side of the bed. Most hotels, I get off the left side of, left side of the bed because, well, let's just be honest, the bathroom's closer to the left side of the bed. My house is closer to the right side of the bed, so I sleep on the, like my wife's kind, I get the right side of the bed. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten home after a long trip, and I'm exhausted, and I wake up, and I need to get up to take, you know, business, and, and then I, and and I'm so used to getting up on the left side, I roll over and I'm rolling over my wife trying to get off the bed. Are you hearing me? And, 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 and you get up and you got that foot going because well, I don't know why it is we trust our feet more than our hands. And we're walking like this and you can't see anything because I know if I flip the light on, I'm losing, you know, I'm, I'm, anytime a light comes on, that's two hours of sleep right there right, for me to go back to sleep. So I'm just doing like this and besides, I don't want to see them white spots for the next 30 minutes. I, I'm going, I need, you know, I'm Rambo. I need my night vision. You know, I'm feeling my way through this, you know, in case some burglar comes in at two in the morning and I've got to be able to, you know, put on my war paint and grab my nine millimeter 
here and all this stuff. And I'm going through there and I'm doing this and, and I'm trying to, and I'm feeling my way down the hallway in that hotel room. I'm thinking I'm opening a door, but I'm not. I'm just moving the curtain. Or I think I'm opening the curtain, but I'm opening a door. And you're feeling your way through because you're just going on pure faith that somewhere in front of me there's going to be an opening that opens up somewhere. Aren't you tired of living for God doing like this? I hope he blesses me. I hope there's some, I think maybe around here he might be able to save my family. He might be able to correct this situation. Maybe my kids will be delivered. Maybe God will fix my marriage. And we just keep walking like this right here. God said, I want to touch you the third time. I want to I want to enable you to be able to walk in faith. I want to enable you to take a step of a surety in the promises of God. Blind man's got to walk with people on either side of him. There wasn't Braille. There wasn't those funky yellow things they put on the end of the sidewalks now that vibrate the groceries out of the cart. He, they had to have somebody. Wasn't no walking cane. Somebody on each side of him to guide him. I'm going to tell you something. When you are spiritually blind and you've been in the church a long time, oh, God, help me. I don't want this to be under misunderstood, Brother Chase. I don't want it to sound like it's mean because I'm not trying to be. But when people live for God a long time, but they never have their sight enabled, they always lock up at least two other people to keep them serving God when they ought to be walking on their own at some point so those people can help other people and you can help other people you see God doesn't want you to walk in the second stage of the touch where nothing's clear he came to give sight to the blind he came to give sight to the blind he came to give sight to the blind I don't I, I'm going to qualify. I don't want to sound like I'm being mean or I'm being whatever because that's not what I'm trying to be. Amen. But at some point, you got to live for God on your own. I said, at some point, you got to learn to live for God. You got to learn to pray on your own, getting your word on your own. You, you know, you can't be living for God 25 years. Somebody calling to make sure you're going to make it to church on Sunday. I had one person get mad at me and quit coming to church because I didn't call and invite them to revival in their own church. Didn't show up to revival. They caught fire. They finally called me. Said, Pastor, you know why I wasn't there? Let me guess. Hurt feelings. I didn't say that. I felt like saying it. Well, Pastor, revival started on Thursday night, and you didn't even call me. I said, now, since you've been coming to this church for four years, you've been serving God at least since Noah got up off the ark. Been around longer than hair. Always talking about how long you've been serving God. I said, I did not know I needed to invite you to a regular scheduled service. Now, I said, I'm going to tell you right, take it where you want it. I ain't going to move anybody's mustache to put a bottle in their mouth. It takes six people to carry one dead body. Did you catch that? It takes six people to carry one dead body. I don't want to be the one six other people are trying to carry. I want to be reaching out to the lost. I want to be reaching out to the hurting and to the broken. We need the touch of enablement. We need the touch of enlightenment. We need to be able to see. Let me give you another passage of scripture and I'm almost done. This is what happened to Elijah's servant. The prophet Elijah, Elisha. His servant was not seeing as he saw in 2 Kings 
chapter 6 and verse 15. The Bible said, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host encompassed uh, the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, how are we going to make it? Verse 16. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha I'm going to tell you what some of us need we need the third touch we need to see that there is more with us than there is against us I know this world is going crazy I know that hell is rising against the church but there's still more with us than there is against us The last I read, the Bible said one third of the angels fell from heaven. That means for every one demon, there's at least two angels. Amen. That means there's more with us in the kingdom of God than there is in the kingdom of darkness. God, touch me again that I can see your church is a victorious, glorious church. Woo. Stand with me if you would. Stand with me. I'm talking about the touch of enablement. <laughs> what do you see? It's all bad. Pastor, it's all bad. Oh, it's bad. It's just not all bad. Hey, I can get discouraged as anybody. Man, this world's going nuts. I mean, things... You would have never thought, just even five years ago. They're not only doing it, they're trying to make it law. Crazy. I just read yesterday, and I'm not trying to do this glorified, I'm just trying to show you, if we pay attention to the wrong thing, we can get discouraged. Minnesota just passed a law in their house that said, if you identify somebody by the wrong pronoun, it will be a felony punishable by five years in prison. Don't believe me, go research it. Go research it. These people are nuts. And it's funny, and they're the one that'll say, you're a bunch of fascists, but we'll put you in jail if you don't agree with me. Touch them, Lord. (laughs) And we as a church, we can look at that and go, why even pray? We got to get out of here. Let's go to Florida. (laughs) Let's go where nobody will find us because nobody goes there. Let's go to Nebraska. (laughs) We'll dig a hole. We'll live in a tunnel somewhere. We'll stock up on beans, rice, and AR-15. Keep the beans and rice. I hold on that AR-15. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, it's bad. They're coming for our kid. They are. You need to have an awareness. But are we going to curl up in a fetal position like a defeated people? You do realize the harder they're pushing, the harder it's being pushed back. 
Non-Christians are waking up and going. <laughs> and here we are. Oh, God. Hear how they threaten. I, I, I looked at them Muslims demonstrating. and They shut down that whole thing over in Minnesota. And the Armenians in SoCal. And I watch Christians going, I can't. Yeah, it's because you suckers won't do anything. Here we are, the people of the name. This is where it is. This is getting bad. We got to run. We got to run. We got to. No, how about this? How about this? How about we be enabled to pray and to do what God's called us to do? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to last Sunday's message. I'm not preaching it again. Go do what God's called us to do. Live our faith out loud with boldness. You ain't got to accept me just like I ain't got to accept you. But you not accepting me ain't going to stop me from being like him. I need that other touch. I'm tired of seeing the world as an obstacle. I want to see it clearly. God's empowered you. Oh, I feel the presence of God right now. So they're taking over everything. If you have that mentality, just go buy yourself a concrete bunker and have at it. But there are some of us that are believing we are about to step into the greatest demonstration of God's presence on this earth. Brother Chase, I believe with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. We are about to see the greatest move of God's spirit upon the face of the earth. And it's moving. And we could be like Elisha's servant who says, Oh, Father, alas, they're surrounding us. And then the prophet says, Lord, open his eyes. And that boy's eyes popped open and he saw chariots of fire. See, they may have horses and chariots, but theirs don't fly and theirs don't burn. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. They may have the power of the ballot, but we got the power of prayer. They may have the power of the house and the senate, but we've got the power of the throne of God. but we've got the key of authority to unlock every chain of addiction would you lift your hands right where you are oh, I feel the move of God in this place right now I feel a third touch coming from heaven right now in the name of Jesus so many of us are so locked up in how bad things are going but God wanted me to encourage you this afternoon and let you know he ain't forgot about you he still got you by the hand he wants to encourage you he wants to enlighten you he wants to enable you and empower you in the name of Jesus in the name of the Lord 
Oh, I feel the power of the touch of heaven in this place. Lord, I pray over this awesome assembly. Watch your servant prayed over the young man. Lord, open their eyes to see clearly. Let them see that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That they may know greater are them that are with us than that which could be against us. In the name of Jesus, I feel encouragement and strength in this place right now. I feel like somebody's coming here so discouraged and broken. Somebody's coming here so let down. The wind has been taken out of your sails. The strength has been taken out of your body. But I've come to tell you the hand of God is here to touch you again. He's here to give you the third touch. He's here to strengthen you that you can see clearly right now. In the name of Jesus, if you want God to touch you, I want to open these altars right now. If you want to step out from where you are and say, Lord, I want that third touch. I want to be able to see clearly. I want to be enabled, Lord. I'm tired of seeing the what I can't and what's against us, Lord. I want to walk out of here in the power and the boldness of your spirit knowing that we can reach this city, that we can reach this nation. In the name of Jesus, things may not... Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.